So I'm a, I'm a competitive person. I don't know if you know that about me. I love to compete and I love to win. And it's not that I like to win and other people like to lose. I, I don't know many people who like to lose. It's just that I just love to compete so much, just the process of competing. And it doesn't have to be a significant competition. Um, any game of cribbage will do, or if there's a ping pong table, like, why not compete? You know, and even a spin class, anything where I feel like I am competing against the people around me, I, I love that, and I thrive on that. And I've been playing a lot of uh, competitive uh, cornhole and throwing beanbags with adults, and uh, I, I love competing that way. Oh, if you travel everywhere with your favorite set of cornhole bags, TSA does not like that at all. They will pull you out of the line and test them for explosive material, and you have to explain why you're traveling with these things, and it just doesn't always make sense to them. But it's just... Just trust me on that. Um, but, oh, and if you ever see me, you know, pictures of me with my cornhole and holding up money because I've won a tournament or something, I do not do this. Most of these tournaments, they just have cash prizes. That's just how it works. I'm not there for cash. I'm there to win because I like to compete and win. And I would argue, and follow me here, I would argue that my desire to compete and win is a good and God-given desire. It's a good and God-given impulse because God is a God who wins. I was reading a pastor recently, and his name is Sam Storm, and uh, he said that the, the theme of the book of Revelation, he said if he were to summarize it in two words, he would say that the theme of the book of Revelation is God wins. I gave you a two-word theme for the book. I called it patient endurance. And I actually think those two concepts are related. Because God wins, we can live our lives today with patient endurance because we serve a God who wins. But I think that God wins is a good summary of the book. He says this. He says, God wins. Revelation is all about conflict between good and evil, between Christ and the Antichrist, between the Lamb of God and the beast, between the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Satan and all his demons. And the good news is that God wins. Here in verse 15, in the passage today, it says this, says, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. This is an image of the fact that God wins, and he sits on his throne and rules this world forever and ever. This is important for you and for me. Because the ways of this world, the way this world operates and the kingdoms of this world are ways that lead to destruction. God's word says this, says everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. You follow the ways of this world, you will lose. You will lose in this life and in the life to come. You follow God and you will experience victory in this life and in the life to come. Perhaps you're here this morning and whatever course you've taken, whatever choices you've made in your life, uh, have, they're not working. It's failing, it's losing, it's, you're frustrated, you're angry, maybe you're anxious or depressed. 
I hear, I'm here today to tell you that there's another way. There is God's way, and God wins. God's victory is available. Now, it doesn't mean that all your troubles will go away. It doesn't mean that you will never struggle. But it, it is a way of life as we follow in God's way that leads to victory, it leads to life, and it leads to life eternal. We want to know that life and experience that life. Let us pray. Father, as our Lord Jesus, your son, said that he came to bring life and to bring it abundantly. Father, we want to know your abundant and eternal life in our lives today. So I pray that you would take this time and through your word that you would teach us and that you would show us your way. Give us humble hearts to receive your word and give us the strength to obey. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So this is an image here in Revelation chapter 11. This is an image of God's victory, of his winning. And it's a two-step process, and I want to just walk you through those two steps and think about this together. So step one is the sounding of trumpets. Again, this whole section, these chapters, there's been these seven trumpets that are sounded, and, and these seven things happen. And I love trumpets. I love the trumpet. When I was a little kid, my dad was a trumpet player, and he would... Uh, not very often, but every now and then he'd pull out his trumpet and play it, and he was a pretty good trumpet player. I have his trumpet in, in our attic, and, uh, but when he was a kid, he got this trumpet. They, he didn't have enough money to buy it, but the music, store, the music store gave it to him, and he was paying them back, and he had, a, uh, he had a paper route. He would deliver newspapers to make money to pay off his trumpet and to pay for lessons, and he had a popcorn cart that his uncle fashioned for him, so he had his little Bob's popcorn cart, and he would, on the side of the road, just people would hand him a, a bucket or hand him a bag, and he'd fill it, and, and he'd make money selling popcorn and delivering the newspaper, and he paid for his trumpet and his lessons. And then finally he was able to play taps at the Memorial Day Parade, which was a real highlight of his childhood, and he would tell this story. So I, I have a fond place in my heart for trumpets and, and horns. We're going to have uh, the horn being played later in the service that's over there. That's the flugelhorn today. Love it. I love the, the horn. I buy special request, actually, for this sermon, uh, thinking about trumpets and horns. But in the Bible, when we hear trumpets, it, it announces God's victory. It announces God's conquest, God's, uh, even his righteous judgments, everything coming true. It, and it's, it's an announcement. And here, these seven trumpets are being sounded. Now, when we think about seven trumpets being sounded, if you're familiar with the Bible, actually there's other stories of seven trumpets being sounded. The most famous is when God's people were entering the promised land. So you have the Israelites, uh, after they're wandering in the wilderness, they're entering the promised land. And the first city they come up to is the city of Jericho. And God instructed the people, he instructed his people to march around the city, and then on the seventh day, they're going to march seven times around the city. And they're going to hand seven priests seven trumpets. And once they're done marching, they're going to sound these seven trumpets. And they're going to yell, and the walls of the city are just going to come down. And sure enough, they did this, and the seven trumpets are sounded. And the people all yell, and then boom, the walls of the city just fall down. And God's people enter into this new promised land that God was giving to them. And then we see this 
sort of theme of trumpets being sounded and then God's work being completed uh, in other places. In the prophet Joel, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill, let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Again, the day of the Lord, a time of God's victory and a God's righteous judgment is, is announced with a trumpet. The, the, the second coming of Jesus, he said, would be announced with trumpets. Matthew 24. God will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 4. The Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will, will rise first. There's, when, when God's work is being fulfilled, we, we see it announced with trumpets. And here, all these trumpets are being sounded and they're trumpets, of, of, in many ways, of judgment against a sinful and broken world, announcing that the end of it is, the end of it is coming. These Trumpet judgments, as Pastor Dan mentioned last week, they, they reflect in some ways the plagues that God sent on Egypt. And again, thinking back, if you're familiar with your Bible, in the Old Testament, God's people were enslaved in Egypt under a, a, a pharaoh who was treating them very poorly and uh, was abusing them and working them. And, and God was rescuing them, and he's warning Pharaoh with these plagues. And here, these trumpet judgments are things like water turning to blood and locusts and darkness and hail. And, and we think back, oh, God did those things in the past. Why did he do those things in the past? He did it as a warning. He did it to declare, my people will not be forever mistreated, that this evil will not perpetuate forever, that I am a God who rescues his people. And, and the hard-hearted Pharaoh would not respond to these Warnings and these judgments, and here we see the same pattern with these trumpet, uh, these trumpet soundings. So here in Revelation, and particularly this seventh trumpet, the final trumpet that sounded, is the, all of that is the the setup to Jesus coming to this earth and sitting on His throne. It heralds the final victory of Jesus. So step one is the trumpets. Step two is Jesus rules. See verse 15 again. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And this leads to heavenly worship in verse 17. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken great power, taken your great power, and have begun to reign. And you'll notice here, that God is the one who is and who was, and we, we like to say who is to come. We always say the one who is, who was, who is to come. But here, we don't say that anymore. Just the one who is and who was, because he's come. Christ has come back to this world to, to rule and to reign fully. But what that means is that right now, this world is not fully under the reign of Jesus. That in many ways, this world is the realm of Satan. That Satan rules and reigns now. God is, this, this earth is not the kingdom of God, not fully anyway. Remember when Satan was tempting Jesus, Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you these kingdoms of the world if you worship me. And Jesus said, no. But they, they were under the authority of Satan. And Jesus said, no, I'm, we worship God alone. You know, elsewhere, 
Ephesians chapter 2 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. Again, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that, that's the spirit, that's the spirit of Satan that essentially rules this world as we know it. This world is broken and under a curse, and Satan rules this world. We need to be removed from the kingdom of this world. And we need to be brought into a new and a better kingdom, not a kingdom of sin and darkness and death. We need to be brought into a kingdom of light and life. That's God's kingdom. And that's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So we've been removed from this earthly kingdom of Satan. We've been brought into a heavenly kingdom, but we still live here on earth. We're trying to live a new way in a new kingdom as new people, but we live in a world that's dominated by sin and evil and temptation and death and all that Satan brings. So even though we're in this new kingdom, because God is not fully reigning yet, we feel that tension. We feel that battle. That's why we talk about spiritual battle. We're living as God's people, part of his kingdom, in, you know, right up and against Satan's kingdom, and that's the life that we live today. Now, we will one day know God's kingdom in its fullness, but right now we feel that battle. It's a real thing, and it's ongoing. If we remember that in this battle, God wins. That God's way wins. God's way brings victory. Then we can experience that victory now, and we'll experience it in its fullness. The problem, the problem isn't God not being victorious. The problem is that we, at times, follow the ways of this world. That we judge success the way this world judges success. We, we seek pleasure the way the world seeks pleasure. We, we operate as if we live under this kingdom of this world, but we don't. We need to remember that, God's win, that God wins and that we walk in his way. And we also, the, the other struggle is that we try to do it in our own strength. And we need to remember that God is king and that he's empowering us to be his people in the midst of this this battle that we feel. We need to be people who live in light of the fact that God wins and that God's way is better. It's, it's a way of victory. That every other path we could follow is a path of destruction. But when we follow God's way, we experience the victory. God will not lead you off track. We're the ones who go off track, not God. So when we go about our week this week, we seek to follow in God's way in everything that we do. So if you go to work this week, we're going to work as if you're working for God, not for your clients, not for your boss. We work for the Lord, and we work with a different ethic, and we work with a different integrity because of that. And we define success in our work and in our career, not based on the world's standards, but based on God's standards, God's eternal standards. The relationships we live in this week, we're going to operate in those relationships by God's way, not the world's way. That means when we're offended, we don't just turn, we seek reconciliation. When we've been sinned against, we're the ones who initiate a healed relationship, just as God, in his holiness, initiates a healed relationship with us, his people. 
We, we're not people who retaliate. We're people who seek reconciliation. All of your time and effort that you spend this week is going to be, it can be focused in God's way. That means we don't just live for ourselves. It means we serve others. It means that we live with humility, considering others better than ourselves. It's putting others first. It means that we're going to use all that God has blessed us with. We're going to use our wealth by God's standards, not the world's standards, not for my own pleasure, not for my own experiences, but to, to live generously for others. We're going to follow God's plan for our bodies and for human sexuality because his plan is better. All other, all other ways, it, my, God has not designed me just for my own pleasure and just for my own gratification, but by his design. And God's way will always win and it will always lead to life. But the problem is, it's countercultural, and it's hard, and we fall short. Yeah, sure, I'd love to follow God's way in every area of my life, but I fall short. But then we remember who our Heavenly Father is. We remember His power. We remember His love for us. Last week, if you were here, Manuela played the piano, seven years old. She played Holy, holy, holy after the sermon. Some of you were here for that? Watch the video if you didn't see it. Seven years old, and she's playing all the notes. But right next to her is her father, filling in the notes. If any note is off, the father keeps playing right alongside. And she had to play her part. You wouldn't have known what song it was if she didn't play that song, and she had to play her part, but her her loving father was next to her. And I just thought, when I watched that, when, when I was watching that video, I thought, man, what an amazing picture of our relationship to our Heavenly Father. You know, that father gave her life, gave her the gift, bestowed on her the gift of music, and, and helped her nurture that and use that gift. It was his sovereign plan that she play on Sunday, whether she liked it or not. I mean, at a certain point in the plan, it was going to happen, even if she pushed against it. And how, how often do we live that way? And yet she chose to follow the plan, and in choosing obedience to the plan, and wanting to be part of it, there was amazing joy. And when she finished, she's waving to you all, and you're clapping, and your faces were full of joy, and her face was full of joy, and this place was full of worship, because the... She was living out the plan of the Father, which he had equipped her for, filling in all the notes. We live our life, and we do it so imperfectly. And our Heavenly Father is right there playing, and we know that his plan is good, and it will bring victory and joy, and God's way will always win. So we can live our lives imperfectly. We can face all the troubles we're going to face, knowing that God wins, and we can endure really anything. I think about Christians right now who have to endure terrible things. Again, the, the one-year anniversary of the, the war in Ukraine, and just reading an article this week about Ukrainian Christians and some of their reflections about being in the situation they've been in for the last 12 months. There was a woman quoted in this article I read she lost her fiancé in, in the war. He, he had gone off to join in the army of, to fight for Ukraine, and, and he died in the battle. 
And she experienced crushing grief and sadness. And she said this. Often in difficult situations, we pay attention only to the pain this world has given us. We forget to look at Christ, who knew from the beginning of the centuries this pain would be in our lives. He has already prepared comfort for us precisely for these situations. There's amazing faith and endurance in that. The article says, if you talk to Ukrainian Christians, they'll tell you God hasn't abandoned them. Many churches, along with some seminaries, are growing. Ukrainian refugees are revitalizing churches in other countries, and churches around the world have rallied to welcome Ukrainian refugees or send support. Churches like our church. Like this war and the violence and the killing has rallied us together to to be generous and to support. Uh, They interviewed a pastor. He says, to minister in Ukraine right now is not easy at all. It is really, really hard. But it's basically taking God at his word, doing what he says to do, and believing that his word is living and active, and his spirit is going to move in the hearts of his elect. That's it right there. And that's for us too. Now, we may not be experiencing with the intensity of what these Christians are experiencing in their lives. But as we go about our lives and whatever we face this week, it's about taking God at his word. It's about trusting that his spirit is with you. It's about remembering that God wins, that God's way is better, that God's way leads to life. God wins. He sounds the trumpet his warning, his righteous judgment, and then he comes and he sits on his throne and he reigns forever and ever. Let us pray. Father, I'm sure as we sit here that we each could think of one way or many ways that we have or not followed your way, that we've, we follow the ways of this world, Lord, that the temptation is, is heavy, that... Um, the allure is, is real, and we fall short, Lord. But we trust the truth of your word where you tell us that this world and its desires will pass away, but your will and your way will win and lead us to life eternal and life abundant in this world and, and forevermore, Lord. Father, help us to enter through that narrow gate and walk that road of of your path of life, Lord. We pray that you give us the strength to avoid that wide and broad road that inevitably will lead us to destruction and we know many enter it, but Father, give us the strength. Help us to believe. We thank you that you walk with us every step. We thank you that you are ultimately victorious. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.